1: The most anticipated public market listing of this year wasn't a Silicon Valley startup or yet another unicorn backed by Japanese conglomerate SoftBank. It was China's ant group.
2: It's thought the sale could raise as much
0: as $30 billion, making it the world's largest ever IPO.
3: An Ant listing has been rumoured to be in the works for years, and folks have been waiting for ages for this thing to come to market.
2: Ant is the firm behind Alipay, the biggest player in China's $62 trillion mobile payments market.
1: But an October speech by China's best-known businessman has put this listing in peril.
3: At the centre of it is... The biggest IPO in the world that everyone in banking had been salivating after for years and that was finally, finally going to hit, had the rug pulled out from under it at the 11th hour.
1: Prompting all kinds of questions about the relationship between business and the Chinese Communist Party.
2: The fact that it's now been taken off or at least suspended for now is definitely a blow to the Chinese capital markets.
1: This is Behind the Money. I'm Amy Keene. On this episode, why the year's biggest IPO was pulled and what it means for China's private sector. We'll start with the FT's corporate tech reporter in Beijing, Ryan McMorrow.
2: So more than two decades ago, Jack Ma founded Alibaba.
3: We have uh, over 100 million Buyers visiting our site, shopping our site every day. We created um, 14 million jobs for China. We grow from 18 people to
2: 30,000 people. And ever since then, he's kind of been this, probably China's most famous entrepreneur.
1: Speaking at the World Economic Forum in Davos in 2015, Ma shared a vision for Alibaba that helped explain his role in Chinese business.
3: And 15 years later, I want people see no Alibaba because it's already everywhere. And I hope 15 years later, people forget about e-commerce because they think it's like electricity. Nobody thinks it's He craves
2: thing. attention, so he's always been very outspoken. At the Alibaba annual meetings, he will go on stage and sing and dance in, in costumes. So he's kind of defined the culture of Alibaba, which is definitely very outward-facing and very relatively open compared to other Chinese tech companies.
1: Here he is on stage at an Alibaba board meeting last year. It was the one where he formally stepped down as executive chairman. He's in all black, he's wearing sunglasses, he has purple beads in his hair, and the backdrop looks like something out of a rock concert. And to an audience of staff and friends and family, he's singing Josh Groban's You Raise Me Up. Then I must do and
3: here in the silence.
2: And here you come. But at the same time, his his desire to be at the center of attention has just bringing too much attention to himself has caused problems with the Chinese government.
1: But what might be his most costly run-in with Beijing to date has to do with Ant Group, the financial technology company he co-founded.
2: Ant Started as just the payment method for Alibaba's online e commerce platform. And then in 2011, it was spun out. It was a very controversial spin out at the time. And Alibaba's two largest investors, Yahoo and SoftBank, were not in favor of the decision, but it was made by Jack Ma unilaterally. And they there was nothing they could really do about it. But since that spin out, Ant has gone on and developed in its own direction and it's really gone and pushed very fast into many different financial services
1: it has a credit rating system and a wealth management platform among other services but it's best known for its consumer app alipay
2: and right now they have more than 711 million monthly users all using alipay so alipay is like the the portal that they're using It's really the gateway to selling all these different financial services. If you're buying online, you're probably gonna end up using Alipay with a couple clicks on your phone to pay. Or if you're even buying offline, like you'll probably be scanning a QR code to pay for dinner or just to pay for a bottle of water at the corner store.
1: Instead of debiting a user's account for the bottle of water or for dinner, Alipay can issue credit to fund the purchase. Its credit business is so big that it issues about one-tenth of all of China's non-mortgage consumer loans, and it doesn't require users to put up collateral for the credit. It caters to a market where close to half a billion people don't have formal credit histories and where small businesses have a tough time getting loans from the traditional state-owned banks. And with this growing credit business, by the end of 2019, Ant was valued at $316 billion by some analysts. That's higher than many of the world's banks. And it was headed for an IPO.
2: People have been talking about Ant going public for, I think, almost five years now. The financial industry in China is regulated very tightly. so. Its business model has continually had to shift and evolve. As regulators crack down in one area, they would push into another area. And so that's kind of determined their path to an IPO. And it seemed like this year was finally going to be the year to make it happen.
1: This wasn't any old IPO either.
2: It was going to be the largest IPO ever. It was going to be a domestic Chinese IPO bringing in $37 billion. So it was definitely a the capping of a coming out party for China's capital markets. And especially at a time when Chinese companies and Chinese listed companies in the US are under pressure from the Trump administration, putting forth various different regulations that could cap their ability to raise money there and their ability to remain listed in the US. It kind of signified that all these great Chinese tech giants now have this new option to list at home.
1: But in the span of a couple of weeks, Jack Ma would instigate a fight with the Chinese government that would put the entire IPO in peril. It started at a meeting in Shanghai on October 24th.
2: It's a finance forum that was held in Shanghai, and it's basically bringing together important movers and shakers in the industry and regulators and economists, just a group of very high-level people.
3: Wang Qishan, a longtime confidant of Xi Jinping, had just finished giving a speech where he had essentially delivered the message that, in terms of China's financial system, it was safety first.
1: Hudson Lockett covers Asian capital markets for the FT in Hong Kong. By safety first, Wang Shishan was talking about trying to avoid potential systemic risks to China's financial system.
3: Jack Ma went on stage later during that forum and sort of put the state banks on blast
2: pretty directly attacked some of the regulations that Chinese regulators had put out in recent years as they've tried to tackle financial risk. And he also at the same time led into China's state owned banks.
3: Essentially said that they were adopting a, a pawn broker mentality. So all of this kind of talk about safety and, you know, having the capital to back your loans, this was for old fuddy duddies, essentially. Um, and, of course, with that message came the implicit suggestion that, you know, Ant was here to change things and, and help the unbanked bank.
2: He was really positioning the regulators in the state-owned banks as, like, backward-looking, while Ant was this new force for good and credit to all types of people and businesses.
1: Two things happened
2: next. First, Several days later, he and two of his top lieutenants were called in for a meeting with four of China's financial regulatory bodies. And the way they described the meeting in a terse release about it is you can tell he's getting a dressing down and they're generally not very happy.
1: And second...
3: Essentially, just days before the offering was going to hit the market... And the IPO would be completed, China came out with new regulations for online lenders that effectively mean Ant is going to have to hold a lot more of these loans that it facilitates on its own books um, and fund them itself.
1: Usually, Beijing's regulators consult with key industry players and, when a consensus is reached, announce new rules. That way, market impact is minimized. But that's not what happened this time. The proposed regulations were announced and then immediately raised questions about Ant's business
2: model. And the new regulations will make it so with each loan that Ant is giving out to people, that 30% of that loan has to come off its own balance sheet, which is way above what it does right now. Right now, of its total loans outstanding, I think 2% are off its own balance sheet. So the new regulations will force it to totally change its business model.
3: One analyst we spoke to said that, you know, in a worst case scenario where Ant is treated much more like a traditional lender, it could hold up to 20% of, I think, about 1.7 trillion RMB in loans that it's facilitated on its own books. And so obviously that's going to make it a much less relatively profitable company. Its return on investment is going to fall. And with it is going to fall the amount that Ant can raise from the market.
1: At this point, Ant is just a few days away from its big listing. And this is when Jack Ma and his lieutenants are called into the PBOC for a meeting, for a dressing down over the comments Ma made in Shanghai on October 24th.
3: But a lot of folks kind of figured that that would be the end of it, that it was a reminder of the party being in charge, but that everyone had a vested interest, including Beijing, in this thing going ahead.
2: And the very next day, the Shanghai Stock Exchange late at night announced that because Ant's business model is essentially going to have to change because of these new regulations, they're suspending Ant's IPO.
3: China putting the brakes on the world's biggest IPO. Ant Group's listing in both Shanghai and Hong Kong. And I think it was pretty late in the evening. I think I just got into the shower when my phone started blowing up. And I had to towel off and jump on my computer and start helping to bash out the story that the exchange in Shanghai had said were suspending this and that Ant was agreeing to pull its Hong Kong offering as a result.
1: Now, the Shanghai exchange is saying that a changing regulatory environment disqualified the listing.
3: After the Shanghai exchange announced the suspension and put out a statement basically saying that, you know, we'll meet any and all regulations that we have to and do our best. Behind the scenes, pretty much everyone seems to be in a scramble at this point. Bankers who stood to make, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in fees um, now stand to make essentially nothing.
1: And there's the question of what Jack Ma knew of the regulations when he gave his speech in October.
2: Some of our reporting has shown that Jack and Ant likely knew about these regulations coming down the pipe, and it, it raises the question as to why they didn't disclose that to investors in any of their IPO materials. But also some of the reporting has shown that these were regulations that were under consideration, but it was really Jack Ma's speech in Shanghai that got them you know, kicked to the front and rolled out right in time to halt the IPO.
1: Grant Group denies having any private talks with regulators about the new rules. The company said it fully disclosed the material risks to the business in its prospectus. But for investors who were on the brink of cashing in, that is beside the point. There's little certainty about when the company will be able to reattempt the listing and how its valuation will change with a revamped business model. Where does this leave the company itself, if it's not too soon to say?
3: It leaves the company in a position where it's going to have to once again pivot pretty hard and change its business model. To its credit, Ant has pulled off something like this before when it shifted from money market mutual funds to lending, and it could do it again. The problem is sort of, one, that the business model it was pitching in its roadshow was very capital light, and these regulations are going to require it to hold a lot more money to help fund these loans on top of bringing them onto its books. And so essentially the sort of high-speed growth in lending with low capital that ant business model revolved around doesn't look like it is going to be the case if these regulations are enforced based on the, on the draft version.
1: When Hudson spoke to lawyers involved in the deal, they said the new regulation could mean at least six months before the deal gets back to market.
3: These new rules do a lot to change the kind of business that Ant was pitching during its roadshow, but based on what the draft regulations say, analysts are currently figuring that this could result in anything between a, you know, 10 or 15% hit to Ant's valuation to even a 50% drop. But I think either way, there's serious doubt now as to whether when Ant does come to market, it's going to be the biggest in the world.
2: Right now, Ant is definitely under a regulatory microscope. There are various regulators that are all publishing op-eds and criticizing the companies for predatory lending, and it's it's definitely facing a lot of scrutiny right now.
3: In the days and weeks since that decision, Chinese regulators have stepped up their rhetoric on fintech in China and and regulating tech generally. We've seen rumblings of anti-monopoly, anti-trust talk from the likes of China's market regulator and uh, the banking and insurance regulator. And there is every reason to believe that, if not a sort of doomsday scenario, certainly tech companies like Ant, but also like Tencent, Meituan, Xiaomi, these kinds of companies are going to face a lot more scrutiny from regulators going forward on their potential monopoly power.
1: And is that just because the companies have grown to such a size? Or what does this particular moment tell us about China and its approach to this high growth part of the private sector?
3: I think that you can fairly point out some similarities with tech backlash elsewhere in the world. Obviously, China isn't the only government that is pushing back against the power of big tech. For a lot of these guys who have a first mover advantage and have come to dominate their respective fields, a lot of that really does rely on their, I guess, outsize influence now. And so last week when China's competition watchdog published new rules that basically target behavior, including sort of the use of exclusivity clauses to hinder competition, treating customers differently based on their spending data, forcing them to buy bundles of products to access the ones they actually want, all this kind of thing. These are the bread and butter of many of these companies. And the idea that using customer data and purchasing history to tailor what kinds of products or services are offered to them and at what prices, well, that's kind of the central business of big tech, effectively, right? And so a lot of folks are suggesting that this is more about messaging than it is about a promise of imminent crackdown, that this is Beijing saying to these big companies that you've got to play ball by our rules, no matter how big you are.
1: For Ant, a company with a history of reinventing itself to meet regulators' demands, This was perhaps the most significant instance of Beijing and the Communist Party pushing back.
2: I think just overall, it it signifies that the Chinese Communist Party and the Chinese state is in total control of all Chinese private companies. And Ant was and is the beacon for Chinese private companies. But if even its IPO can get called at the last minute, then... And there's really no Chinese private company that can stand up and hold its ground when it's in a fight with regulators.
1: You can read more from Ryan and Hudson at FT.com. We've linked to their long read on Ant's stalled IPO in the show notes. Behind the Money is produced by Olo Kemi Aladesui. Our sound engineer is Breen Turner and our editor is Liam Nolan. We had help this week from Persis Love and Odin Ingebergson. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with a new episode next week.